I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is with Joseph Lamagna. Joseph is a golf statistician. He consults with PGA Tour players as well as writes sometimes on the Fried Egg as well as his newsletter, Finding the Edge, which you can search on Substack for. It is a great read. It's free. Uh, highly recommend. So we we chat every once in a while uh, pretty regularly, and one thing that is always on my mind uh, every year as we get kicked off in 2023 is who can win a major championship. So that was the exercise uh, Joseph and I each wrote out who we think can win major championships, um, the players that have this requisite skills to win major championships, and we kind of talked about... Um, you know, the tiers that they're in and the skill sets of players and, you know, what puts them in certain places. So this was a fun chat. Uh, didn't touch on everyone in great detail, but talked about a lot of different players. So without further ado, here is Joseph Lamagna. Joseph, welcome back. How are you, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Andy. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I uh, I have to apologize. I'll probably apologize multiple times, but I'm uh, my mic just like crapped out on me. I don't know what happened, and uh, so I'm I'm using the AirPods. We'll see. The audio will be will be fine. It'll be listenable, but not not our usual standards. Um, what uh, what have you made of uh, week one of the uh, PGA Tour calendar? I think it's given people a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the future. Uh, I still have my reservations about if they're going to follow through with what I think needs to be done. But I think the first week of an elevated event gave people a feel for what, what it looks like when every golf, when all the top golfers are teeing it up at the same time. So a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the PGA tour. Yeah. I think it seems like we're going to get a better feel um, of who the best players are. Because when you kind of look at I mean, it's like, how do we classify Tony Finau's two wins last year? when he went back to back at 3M and Rocket Mortgage and there was, you know, three or four top 50 players in the world at the event, you know, how do we, how do we grade that out in comparison to uh, a second place finish at a, you know, WGC, right? You know, which one's better? Yep. And I'm sure you can maybe guess what I'm about to say, but the, the last step of this is being able to see who's doing well for the season. So having a, a season long standings that actually makes sense. So let's uh let's restrict FedEx Cup points to just those events, please. Well, <laughs> that's another topic for another day and one I think we've we've touched on before uh on this podcast. What I wanted to talk to you today about, and this is something that I kind of think about all the time, and it's it's kind of a derivative off of of Brooks and what he said about like I'm competing against I can't remember the exact quote, eight players or whatever it is. And it's kind of also a derivative off of like if you, if you're a competitive golfer and playing qualifiers, it's you know half the people shouldn't be there, 
half the people of the people that should be there are going to play bad. And then that leaves a lot smaller pool of people you're actually playing a tournament against. So with that in mind, but the topic that I think a ton about is who can actually win a major championship. And, uh, you know, we go into a new year of majors. I think there are some players that like, for example, that now are on my list that weren't last year, Cameron Young, you know, uh, players that moved way up on my list. You know, Fitzpatrick would be a player that wasn't on my list last year that's on my list and pretty high up this year. Um, and, you know, so that's the topic. I kind of put them into tiers. I think you put them into tiers too. And we each created a, a list to go off of. And, uh, you know, I think we should start at the bottom. I, I kind of like created some like catch lightning in a bottle some players that i want to see some stuff from but from it from my i've got four tiers how many tiers do you have uh, it's funny you say that i have five tiers and I'm, I'm not kidding my fifth tier is called lightning in a bottle <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you got to cover your basis like i mean the reality i don't want to call phil's win at capital or kiwa a fluke but it was a fluke like, yes. <laughs> and i think you know there's there's a bunch of things in in tier five like you know which if mine mine didn't officially make the list but like a name in there is Patrick Reed I don't really think he's a major championship player that you would like consider being like a winner you wouldn't be I think you'd be surprised if Patrick Reed wins a major championship and the the point of this list is like the names on this list in my tiers are names I wouldn't be surprised if they won a major. Yes. So um, on that, Patrick Reed is one of my four names in Lightning in a Bottle. Important note on him, he's not qualified for all of the majors this year, right? So you're mainly talking about Augusta, which is a relevant topic as we go through a lot of these. Very players, relevant. Which players are actually qualified for the majors? I think before we get into the tiers, one difference between our lists will be that I think mine may be a little longer. And that's that's probably representative of how I view golf and thinking about a lot of this in, in ranges of outcomes. Like there's, I think there are so many players. Could they win? Of course. Um, I think it'd be, I wouldn't want to leave out some of those names that are like 50 to one, 80 to one to win a tournament. They could win. We're really deep right now. Yeah. And, and to be clear, my tier five isn't in my list. It's like my, it's like the catch lightning in a bottle. So we're in the same boat here. Who else do you have in, in this tier? Sure. Yeah. I have, I have four names in the lightning in a bottle. Um, again, part of this is the golf courses that we're going to see. So I think throughout the pod, I may reference some of the skills that'll be required at some of these courses this year. You went way deeper than me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm more of an eye test guy. Hey, that's fair. It'll be interesting to see how these stack up then. So my four names in the lightning in a bottle are Bryson, Patrick Reed, Tommy Fleetwood, and Tyrrell Hatton. All right. I don't have, um, I have Bryson in my tears and my kind of like writing is about him like my one line about him is are you still a golfer <laughs> again i'm with you and i think a relevant a relevant piece of bryson is that his, the way his game is currently built and how much he sprays the ball he he has almost no chance of winning at augusta or at lacc and i feel pretty confidently saying that it's it's interesting with him because for a lot of my research, the way I kind of base this and move guys around was really off of, you know, what have you done in the last five years at majors? 
And that kind of became the thing that I, I built this off of. Um, and Bryson, based off of what he's done in majors in the last five years, should be in like tier two or tier three. But he's in tier he's in tier four for me because, like exactly what you point like the way his game is constituted now. What is he? You know, he went to live, and it's not a deep or really that strong of a competition, and was completely irrelevant. Like, you know, that's been the interesting thing. Like, there's some players on here that we'll talk about that are live players. But, like, I'm just so shocked at how irrelevant some really big names were in a small, watered-down field of golfers with no cut. Like, I'm shocked at how bad they were last year. Hey, if we're going to talk about the majors, the live impact is a relevant part of the discussion. Not only, I think, in in terms of what it does to you when you receive a huge check to go play on that tour and maybe how that affects your motivation, not for all players, but for some of them. But I think it also is an indication what those players are signaling by going. I I genuinely do think that. Um, So we'll see when when we get to the majors how it impacts them. I think it will impact those players differently. But yeah, I think a lot of those players was a little bit of a sailing into the sunset to take that money. Yeah. And I, I think I, I, you know, if, if I was going to agree, I agree with your, your players being in there with like Fleetwood and, and I think Fleetwood and Hatton, those are, you know, players that have won big events. I mean, Terrell Hatton, Cantankerous, and I think he'll be happy with some of the golf courses this year. I think Terrell Hatton will have no complaints at Oak Hill, you know, and <laughs> from that standpoint, it's probably good. And Tommy Fleetwood, He'd be an interesting one at Oak Hill too, if I had to zero in on on guys that might play well there. Because of it's narrow, it's you know it, it's going to require some really good second shots. Um, I had in my can, catch lightning in a bottle that you didn't have. I had Davis Riley and Cam Davis. I'm like irra- I've I've been the last three weeks really since he won that. Uh, I think it was the Australian open that he won or the Sam Australian Belt. PGA. Sam Belt invitational. Is that what you're talking about? Sam Belt invitational. Yeah. I've just been talking myself more and more into, especially with the way he played in the president's cup, Cam Davis breakout year. And I just am like irrationally confident in Cam Davis. I don't know why. Well, I have been like shouting from the rooftops about Cam Davis going back to last fall. To be honest, Andy, I think I think there are a lot of people with you. It's almost to me becoming like when you like a, a musical artist and then you start to hear them played on the radio and you and you get disappointed. I, I feel like that's kind of where I am with Cam Davis, and it's not that much of a sleeper pick. So I don't have him in my lightning in the bottle because I have him higher than that. You have him higher. What about Davis Riley? He didn't make my list, but I have a lot of respect for his game. Okay. All right. We I don't want to take too much time on on tier five, you know. Um Tier four. Who's in your tier four? Okay. Do you want me to give you at all like how many I have in each tier before going into this, or do you just want me to go right into the tier four? Just go right into it. I've got okay. um, I've got six guys. How many guys do you have? So I have 12, 12 names in tier four. So I in this I just kind of like the way I would put these guys in here is like they're either guys that would have been like have fallen down but have like major pedigrees or guys that I think are really good that haven't done anything. Okay. So for me, I've labeled it can win 
And what I meant by that was it wouldn't surprise me if any of these players wins a major, uh, but they're not, to me, like a top 15 threat uh, that I'd expect to be in contention at multiple of them. So kind of a step up from the lightning in a bottle for sure, but not somebody that I'm expecting to be in the top 10 in two or three of the majors. So I can go ahead and rattle them off if you're ready. Yeah, rattle them off. Um, so I have Sam Burns in here. I, I have, got him too. I have Hideki, who hopefully we can talk a little bit about. I've, I think he's one of the most you know, underrated had, players in the world. I had him in here, and then I looked at his numbers, and I moved him up to tier two. I, I, actually, I think Hideki is one of the most underrated players in the world. He has but you have him at tier four. He, well, he has some injuries, so I'm not I'm not expecting him to be relevant in all four of the majors. But I don't want to go underweight on Hideki. I think he's an absolutely elite player. He has a win in four top fives in in the last five years, which like that's a top ten major player. He's won eight tournaments since he's been on tour. I'm I'm really high on Hideki. Maybe that says more about the players I have rated ahead of him, but. Um, I just don't know how how many guys you got ahead of him. How 15. many guys you got ahead of him? Fifteen. Fifteen. Holy cow! That's the thing is, when I initially did it, I did it without stats. I just like kind of went down the OWGR, and I threw guys down, and I had Hideki in tier four. And one of the reasons is like I just never feel good about Hideki. One of the things about Hideki is like if he's in contention, I don't ever think he's going to win. And I think that's because of the putter. I can go with you to an extent, except that I, I actually think he's a sneaky, like would not want to go head to head with Hideki. Not a lot of emotion there. And he is absolutely one of the best iron players in the world with a really underrated short game. And this year in particular, I think the major championships will require iron test. Your irons to be tested more heavily than in years prior. So I really like Hideki's chances. Me putting him in tier four was not, uh, slight to his game feels like it well we'll get to the other names uh do you want me to go through my rest of tier four i can i can just rattle them off it, it, we got to see something from sam burns in a major this year right i agree yeah that's why he's in my like could win but if he's not relevant in any of the four majors i wouldn't be shocked maybe that's the best way to characterize this tier for me yeah i think that's a good that's a good thing that's a good way to classify it so with that in mind sam burns hideki max homa Shane Lowry, Tom Kim, Joaquin Neiman, Berger, Adam Scott, Sung J.M., Cam Davis, Brooks Kepka, and Aaron Wise. All right, we have a lot of the same. So my six were Sung J., Bryson, Adam Scott, uh, Burns, Tom Kim, and Louis Ustazen. Yeah, Louis Ustazen did not make my list. Well, I just like, I've never seen somebody go from one year being so relevant to so like you know th- this falls in the same kind of bucket of Bryson right and Bryson and Louie in 2020 would have been if you were drafting players at majors would have been top 10 picks both of them and then in the last year it was just like complete irrelevance I do think a key difference between Bryson and Louie I'm looking up Louie's age right now but I think the go to live plus being 40 years old and being somebody who made their had their best year when they put the absolute lights out. That's a really bad combination. So I, I actually expect Louis to be irrelevant. There's the also future. there's also been a long rumored apathy about Louis Ustazen, um and and professional golf. You know, 
And I imagine that, you know, getting a big giant check dropped into your bank account might make that apathy grow a little bit more too. So I, I could easily drop Louis. Louis was like the last guy I added in here um, because I was like, oh, you know, he had such a good 2020. It would, and, and he's such a good major player that it seems like it would be silly to be to to drop drop him down there. You know, somebody I wanted to talk about was like, does Tom Kim have enough pop for major championships? Here we go, Tom Kim. So I I've been I hate being on the side of you know I don't think this person is going to do well because I want Tom Kim to have an illustrious career, but I do think every time I think we've learned a lot about golf stats, how short term people's brains tend to be flares up again. And I think Tom Kim is like the perfect example where when this really hot streak came about and he wasn't doing it in a way that's necessarily sustainable, he's short off the tee. He's an unbelievable putter. I thought more people would kind of go the route of like, this is going to come to an end at some point. And that is, where I stand. So I think he'll settle into being a player who's ranked like 15 to 25th in the world. Not that optimistic about what his majors will look like this year, but I really hope he does some speed training, puts on some speed, uh, and then maybe he can ascend to like a Colin Morikawa level. I think that's the right comparison. He is a great iron player. I think that's the the thing that gives me a little bit of hope. He is. uh, In terms of Tom Kim is that he's such a good iron player. That stat about his par three scoring average uh, is impressive. I always like think that like when you play par threes well, it's usually like a sign that you're playing really good golf um, because you know it's a, you got to kind of like you have to hit a lot of different iron shots uh, on par threes. So I like I I like Tom Kim. I do where the thing I worry about is distance, especially. I think he has a better chance at. I think like LACC would be the the place that I would most like his chances. I would really not like his chances at Oak Hill. Um, it's so narrow. It's just going to be punishing. And, and I just don't think you can drive it well enough to be short. Like you're going to miss some fairways and it's just going to kill you if you have six iron in hand. Can I make a crazy comparison on Tom Kim? Yeah. Because some people have asked me like, who's who's his statistical profile? And I don't really think there is a great one, but one one name that kind of comes to mind, and this might be disrespectful to Tom Kim, so I, I do think he's better than this player. But there was a stretch at the end of 2017 where Brian Harmon was like red <laughs> oh, hot. Look, I have a lot of respect for Brian Harmon's game. He went top tens, like five well, I grew up in a playing row. junior golf. I, I was in the same era. He was the, one of the greatest junior golfers of all time. I'm the same age as him. I have a lot of respect. That's disrespectful. My point is... He's 20 years old. I agree. I think Tom Kim's going to be better than Brian Harmon. My point is, Brian Harmon went through this red hot stretch, right? And then he was completely irrelevant in the majors that year, in part because major championships are generally much more events that you got to hit the ball long off the tee. And Tom Kim... If he puts on some speed, I will completely revisit this position. I think he's a better golfer than Brian Harmon, but I think there's some regression in store, especially when he gets to some courses where you really got to bomb it. I think, yeah, like, is he like maybe like the uh, extraordinarily wealthy Kevin Kisner? Yeah. I mean, I think he's better than that, but yeah, 
extremely well. Brian Harmon, I, you know, the, a good question is like, who's better, Brian Harmon or Kevin Kisner? That'd be a good player comp. Yeah, I'd be because like Brian Harmon has been more relevant in majors. I feel like I mean Kisner had Quill Hollow and the uh, which uh, Troon, I think. Brian Harmon finished second to Aaron Hills and has not done much besides that, but he's had a phenomenal career. Brian Harmon's ranked like 24th in the world right now. He's a great player. Uh, OWGR is, is kind of like not real right now. It's it's Here we go. Now we're getting derailed. <laughs> well, Sep Strack is 27 in the world. I texted Brendan last night. I'm like, did you know Sep Strack is 27 in the world? Guy wearing squares is 27 in the world. Um. Any other notes uh, on your guys in tier four that you, you want to get off? Well, I'm incredibly high on Cam Davis. So I think we're aligned on that one. So that was one of my notes. Um, <laughs> one of my main notes with that was that I was going to be extremely complimentary of Hideki Matsuyama. I think you think I'm underrating him. I have 15 golfers ahead of him, but uh, I did want to say, I think Hideki Matsuyama is poised for an amazing major run this year as long as he's healthy he's battling a neck injury and that's worrisome but other than that i think i'm good on notes um one thing i had you know one big discrepancy is brooks kepka yeah um i i had brooks this was another one i had brooks down here and then i couldn't ignore like you know just a year last year he was bad the year before he had three top five you know my own opinion, and I think people, we may just not see eye to eye 100% on this one. I I don't put that much stock in how somebody's done in a major in the past. Um, that may be relevant when we talk about somebody like Patrick Cantlay, who I'm very high on. But Brooks having having major success in the past, if he's spraying his driver like he is right now, like that's not, it's, it's not just going to magically change. So I'm a little bit lower on Brooks. The injuries are a concern. If he wins one, it wouldn't shock me. But if you told me that this upcoming year he's going to have three top tens in a major, I would be shocked. Yeah, you know, what you've illuminated with Bryson and Brooks is the driver getting crooked. And and I think, like, if you if you think about it, it's like those were the two of the, the skills that really set them apart. Bryson, in particular, set them apart completely. Brooks was all around great during his run. But the driver was such a weapon. And it's it's kind of like, in a way, it's rare to see. I mean, I think one of the things you could point to is like Bubba Watson. You know, Bubba's great years correlate really strongly with when he drove it really well. You know, like when when the driver got a little squirrely. But a lot of guys are that are great drivers, it's hard to not be a great driver once you're a great driver. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and I, I think... One maybe obvious point about a driver is it's the only time every person has the same lie. The ball is on a tee. And I think that that does actually provide some information about how a player is truly hitting the ball, right? When you, that's the only time we're actually comparing apples to apples on any shot. Um, other point I would make though, on, on when I'm talking about Bryson, like Bryson, how much he's spraying it, we're talking like he is literally dead last in any kind of accuracy stat I have. So when I say Brooks and Bryson are both spraying it, it's still, they're on different planets. Brooks can at <laughs> least keep it in bounds. Bryson right now cannot keep the golf ball like remotely, remotely online. Who who would have thought that chasing uh, 
trying to be a long drive guy would have an adverse effect on on your uh, ability to be one of the best professional golfers in the world. Thanks for really um, so, to watch. I think people would be disappointed to see Sung Jay here, but I, you know, what is it? I, I think obviously Sung Jay, I, I was extremely high on like three years ago. And at this point, I kind of feel like he's developing into just another guy. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a piece for the fried egg on Sung Jay. He doesn't have a ton of pop with his driver, hits it really straight, but the difference between hitting it dead straight and just a little bit off isn't as significant at a place like Augusta or at LACC. So I think some of these guys who hit the ball really short, not Sunday's not really short, but who don't bomb the ball, but hit it dead online. That's not going to be as much of an advantage at um, Augusta or LACC as it would be somewhere like Sedgefield. So I'd throw Billy Horschel in that category. He did not make my list. Tom Kim's in that category. Sungjae's in that category as well. Mm-hmm. That's uh all right. I I have some guys. I I didn't have Homa. I didn't have Neiman. I didn't have Berger. I think. Uh, I mean, I I just I'm not. I, I need to see a lot more from them. They be in the like. I need see. That's I guess that's where I differ with you. Is like I think majors are completely different animals than tour events, and I correlate nothing, no, nothing with like what you did at the Safeway or, you know, the Butterfield Bermuda with what's going to happen in a major championship. I just think it's like a completely different form of golf. Yeah. Neiman, um, so Neiman's, that's win, where, Neiman's win at Riviera is just another, is another Butterfield well, to you, huh? That's, that's not what I said, but Neiman, I, I just, I don't know. I may actually, I thought about putting Neiman in one of these groups, but again, I, I just didn't, I don't think he would win one of these. I would almost say that I'd expect Mito to win more than Neiman, but Mito's not going to be exempt to like anything. But you're getting bailed out then because I, I do not agree. <laughs> I think he's just better tee to green. Than Joaquin Neiman? I'll take Joaquin Neiman tee to green over, over Mito Pereira. All right. All right. My guy, my guy had a chance to win a major. So, all right, tier three. These are guys that, you know, I in my my thing, like, would not at all be surprised if they won kind of all of them. I would like hope they would win one. And I think they can compete at just about any course, but some of them have greatly underachieved and leading that list is uh, Patrick Cantlay for me. I've got Victor Hovland, Cam Young, Finau and Shane Lowry in this group. Who's in your tier three? Yeah, we have some overlap here, but I have, I have 10 names in tier three that meaning I only have five that are ahead of them total. Um, and my definition of the third tier was if they're not in contention in at least one major this year, probably two, it's a disappointing year. Like they can win anywhere. Never surprised yeah. to see them in contention. That's my definition. I have Cantlay like you do. I've got Shoffley. I view those golfers very similarly. Um, Zalatoris, Fitzpatrick, Finau, who I am incredibly high on. think he could, burn everything down this year cam young morikawa spieth hovland and dustin johnson dj it's interesting my tier two and tier one are significantly bigger than your yours and i think my tier three is really small because i ended up putting a bunch of guys up into tier two after i i looked a lot at past success i think that's where the different differentiation is right 
Um, I find it interesting that Colin Morikawa is here. That would be the number one name that pops off the page. And that is based off of his past success. Two wins, five top fives, and 12 starts in major championships. And I don't know how he doesn't get bumped up to at least tier one or tier two based off of that. Well, I mean, to an extent, I think it depends on how many people you have in those tiers. When I view Mm -hmm. the landscape of golf right now, I do think there are five golfers who are above any of the rest. And I do not think Colin Morikawa is currently in that category, but he's really good. He and Finau would, are, are really close to jumping up there as are Xander and Patrick Cantlay. But I think there are five golfers that I would take. I would give you Morikawa versus any one of them head-to-head for, all the, for the majors this year. So it's, it's interesting. I moved Mar- Morikawa up from Tier 2 to Tier 1 when I looked at the stats. And my five were the same five as your top two in the Tier 1. And I, I do agree with that premise to a, to a certain extent. I just think that right now, the cold takes on Morikawa are a bit of an overreaction. And, you know, I think like at Kapalua, he showed like through 63 holes, how like, I think he's about as good of a golfer as there is when he's on. And I think that that would put him into that same bucket as all the other guys. Um so Finau is the guy that you're you're high on, and if you you know like what what's the st- statistical case for Tony Finau? Yeah, the statistical case for Tony Finau, who has been fine in majors, he has been since last May one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the world. He became an extremely accurate driver, going back to right about last mid-May. Really long hits good irons, has a great short game, and he's been putting well. He has been one of the best golfers in the world over the past six to eight months. He's won a couple of times. Um, I, I don't I don't really see any holes in his game. He's basically become like a ROM off the tee, a little shorter, but pretty much a ROM off the tee. And if he, I think the only reason he's shorter is because he restrains himself a little bit. I, I think Tony Finau, there are a million reasons to be bullish. Wouldn't be surprised if he won a major this year at all. I'm, I'm so high on him. The thing that always goes overlooked, and I think this happens with a lot of like great players. I, you know, if you think down the line of like, I, he's not a great player anymore, but Sergio Garcia, Hideki Masuyama would fall in this br- bucket. Brooks Kepka would fall in this bucket. And Tony Finau is like terrific short games. Like those guys around the greens are are like world class, but they it never gets talked about because of other ancillary skills. And with Finau, it's all the thing that people are always going to talk about is the driver. But he drives it well. He's a really good iron player, and he's got a great short game. And I think you know, like when you put that together, it, he kind of falls into that bucket of like if the putter's okay, he's going to be in in the top five like that's it's almost like his week is determined by the relative nature of his putter and it just has to be a little bit better than average for him to pile up wins yeah i don't think there are too many golfers even if it's not the strongest field who can blow a field out right now tony finau's on that list who else would be on that list rory rom justin thomas scotty scheffler I think Morikawa has to be. He was blowing out the field of the century. Yeah, he, he he's he's right there. He's in the back of my mind. To be clear, I came away with a much more positive, with a positive impression from Morikawa 
after Kapalua. I am not going down the, like, he choked it away. I'm worried about him. I have a very high opinion of Morikawa. I think part of where this comes from is he's giving up a lot of distance off the tee to these guys. I understand that he's an elite iron player. But when you are playing from behind, names like Rory, John Rahm, and the putter, it can be pretty inconsistent. Man, that iron game's got to be really on. Yeah. And and it can be like that's the thing about it is like it can be so good that it it you know it renders everything kind of irrelevant um, because of how good the iron play can be. Now for a quick word from our sponsor, Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens every single morning. Uh, This started in really late October. I I was looking for some better ways to take care of myself. It had been a long year on the road in 2022. I I got some home time and I started saying, you know, I got to take a little bit better care of myself. So I was looking into things that uh, could really, you know, be a comprehensive solution. And that's how I found AG1. It's super simple. Uh, I just mix a powder with water every morning. It's the first thing that I do every morning. It's a a habit that has become ingrained with me. And I mix it up, drink it, and it loads me up with uh, high-quality ingredients. There's 75 high-quality ingredients that really give me the daily nutrients and uh, things that I need to get through every day. Um, so I think this is a you know, it takes me two minutes to do. And it's something that gets me set on, on my daily routine. And, you know, I'm, I'm not really a routine person. So it feels good to get something going right off the bat in the morning. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So go to athleticgreens.com slash the fried egg. That's athleticgreens.com slash the fried egg to check it out. Now back to Joseph Lamania. It's it, you know, the tears are it makes an interesting thing. And and I guess like I had separated Cantley and Xander based off of just purely what they've done in majors. You know, one of the things I think was Xander, I wonder about was like, was his first, you know, four years of majors more of an aberration? And last year, you know, it was the worst major year he's ever had. Like, where's the balance? Was that just a, you know, that that was just bound to happen? Was he going to have a, a mediocre uh, major year? Or, and then the other thing with Cantley is like, you know, is this just a statistical anomaly that he's been completely irrelevant given that like he's been a top 10 player in the world now for four years in a row running? But we're not talking about that many events. Like, I will die on the hill that Patrick Canlay is fine in majors going forward. And if somebody wants to take the other side of that, have at it. What is the thesis for why Patrick Canlay doesn't play well in majors? Is it that he shows up and he gets so nervous he can't play? Like If somebody can't give me a reason for why he's not going to play well in majors. I'll take, give me the Cantlay side. He's fine. Well, I, I was with a, a major champion once and I, I asked him about, you know, this was a player that no longer is on these lists. And they, and he, and he said, some guys just don't have it. 
some guys just can't get it done when it really matters. And I think if you look at like Davis Love obviously got it done, but I think everybody would say that Davis Love's career in majors was like a disappointment, which is crazy because he won twice, right? But like one of the things he won a ton the week after. And some so for some people, it's like that moment is too big and, and something about it psychs them out. And I get it. Like I, it, that, there is like a certain gravity of it, right? It's really hard. And I think that's where like, you've seen Rory go through these mental gymnastics, right? The juggling, the reading a lot of books, the different things, like all the different ways that he's tried to prep for Augusta. It's really hard when you have to prep for something and you, and some people prep differently and it works for them, but others, like when you put so much weight on it, it, they need to treat it just like another week. And I, and I sometimes wonder if that is something that like with Cantlay, like it doesn't make any sense. I'm totally with you. And like, it's frustrating because he came out of the gates. He had that T3 early in his career in majors and you're like okay this guy is going to be like a major champion like specialist like you look at his game and you don't know why it would ever not work at a major like I tend to believe and and I think this is a pretty common thread through all the players that you know the top five players really that we've highlighted which we haven't gotten to but are Rory, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Scheffler, Cam Smith. Like those guys, if you look at their games, it's very hard to find like a discernible weakness. Obviously, putter can be a little bit of an issue for JT and and Rom, but outside of that, like Cam Smith can be a little squirrely with the driver. For the most part, those guys don't have weaknesses. And you think about Cantlay, it's like that's who Patrick Cantlay is. He is like just a very, very well-rounded player. Yeah. I will not push back on there being something different about major championships. I'm not trying to equate BMW championships with majors. Believe me, I, I do not feel that way. But I think the assumption then is that Patrick Canlay is psyching himself out. And so that, that's where I would say, are you, are you willing to say Patrick Cantlay is psyching himself out? He doesn't have it. He doesn't have what it mentally takes. Because mm-hmm. to me, he does have it. And he talks like a person that has it. And I'm, I have a lot of confidence when he tees it up. So I, I think sometimes some, somebody's only played 15 majors. Like, why? Let's not, that's not 100. That's not 200. Like, give him a chance. I think this is like something that has really changed about professional golf, also, is the instant gratification, the instant success. And, you know, like the idea that these guys now, you know, it used to be that like you're a fo- fully formed golfer when you're 35. And now like at this point now in golf, if you're 35, you're old, you know? And, and I think that's something to keep in mind is that I think we're going to see late bloomers still, like there is going to be major champions that pop up that weren't great at age 25 or great major players at 25 and figure it out later. Like somebody that jumps to mind for me is he's 33, Tom Hoagie. I think he's a really good golfer. And I didn't want to, you know, like, I just think like, you know, if Tom Hoagie's in the hunt at a major, I'm not surprised at all because he's, he's a very good iron player and stuff, but he's 33 and nobody is like excited and hyped on him the way they are with 
Tom Kim, right? Because he's 33. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not letting you off the hook here. All right. If, if if what's if what's so big to you is is success in major championships, and you're this high on Tom Hoagie, help help me get there to where you will not be surprised to see him on the first page of a leaderboard come Sunday this year. He's a late bloomer. He hasn't played in any majors. All right. So he's just getting his feet wet. It's like the tour, his tour career. I think like some guys like, and I think this is what's going to be this. Gonna, I don't think like you know. I think there are going to be guys that have like if you look at the the careers of guys, right? There's a, like a lot of buckets of, of there's, you have like your all time greats. And that's like Rory is in there where they span decades. And I think John Rahm is probably a guy that's heading there. JT is heading there. I don't know about Scheffler. Like, I don't think we've seen enough of his body of work from Scheffler, but you have these guys that span decades. Then you have guys that are like, they had a nice 10 year run. Then you have guys that have like really nice five year runs. And then you have guys like Nick Watney, where for three years they were a top 10 player in the world. Right. And I think like from that standpoint, you're going to have late bloomers that pop in in their, their thirties, like early thirties that have really good three year runs. And that's my case for a guy like Tom Hogan. So I, I, I can't take, believe that I'm making this case. I, I'm going to take the other side of this. And I'm going to say high conviction. I think something that's happening across sports, and I would love to see a robust study on this, unpack this further. I think you are seeing people in their late 30s in particular across sports with the speed revolution in every sport, their careers ending. And you've got Tom Brady. I don't... Aaron Rodgers, right? Not great years. You have some LeBron. You have some like older the, NBA players. Obviously, the outlier. And I think in golf, something that's happened is that it's become. I mean, well, hold on, Tom Brady. Tom Brady's forty-six. Yeah, I, I understand. He's there's forty-six a, playing football. All I'm my only point is in golf, there has been a speed revolution. I think it's gotten a little bit easier to optimize some of the other parts of your game with things like TrackMan. And you have to have everything to win a major now. You have to have the speed. You've got to be an elite iron player and you've got to putt well that week. I don't think you're going to see a too many players who find it between the age of 32 and, and 38 and then have success in majors. It's not impossible, but I would, I would give another example like Jason Day. I don't think Jason Day is going to refine things and then win a major again in the next couple of years. I really think it's, it's much harder to be somebody who's on in your mid thirties. I would, you know, I, I guess one of the things I would think I would think about with that is Pebble beach where it's shorter and you know, you like different, different major setups might yield different things. Right. So like this year at Oak Hill, I don't, and, and I mean, LA is going to play super short. That's the one thing I will say is that golf course is not going to play long. There are some, yeah, there's, there's some long holes out there, but I'm with you. Conditions are going to be a really big part of how LACC plays, whether or not it rains. I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be firm. There's, it's not going to rain. It doesn't rain in June. Right. I think the big, one of the big things with LA is going, is there going to be, are you going to get that Marine layer? You know, are you going to get that June gloom that keeps moisture in the golf course 
in the mornings in particular. And that'll be a big, big factor. But I think that golf course plays pretty short, to be completely honest. I mean, it, it the ball moves out there, right? And there are some big slopes. And, uh, and I, I don't like that one. I think that's going to be such a different U.S. Open. I think it might play a little bit more Augusta nationally for sure than U.S. Open. No, oh, know, I, where I'm, for me, this is I'm viewing the U.S. Open and the Masters very similarly this year. To me, that's a Cam Smith golf course. Yeah. Cam Smith is such a uh, man. He. He's such a fun player. I'm I'm curious. I this will be seeing him play the majors after a season of live, and like I, you know, is it, going to be one of the big storylines I think going into every major because, you know, like how do you? I mean, if he doesn't dominate on live, how do you feel about him going into these these events? Right. Yeah, I think it's going to be very difficult to know with all of these guys, and if there are three players. I think there are three live players that I don't really worry about this affecting their mentality. It's Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, and Patrick Reed. I don't think they play any differently, whether they're on live or on the PJ tour, if they're keeping their game sharp. Um, everyone else, like a Taylor Gooch, uh, I'd be shocked if he keeps his game up to snuff. So DJ's in your third bucket, and and he's in my second, but my, my kind of notes on him are, are we in the decline of his career at this point? We're definitely on the backside of DJ. I thought I thought we were there three years ago that he won a, won the Masters, and I kind of felt like an idiot and had a great year. But I, you started to see is it is it just that he's losing his like kind of unicorn status of a driver of a golf ball? I think it's a fascinating question. This is something I wanted to bring up. Like I think one of the most interesting questions this year is how motivated is Dustin Johnson to golf? I, I actually think it's a really interesting question, and if you. If you were to like win the Masters this year and be like, hell yeah, I care. Like I've been grinding. I think that would be such a cool insight into who DJ is because I actually think he does care more than he maybe lets on. I I don't think he's done, but he he was spraying the ball last year. I could see a lot of different outcomes for DJ this year. He easily, easily could be in contention come Sunday at either LACC or Augusta wouldn't shock me. The other two would surprise me a little bit more, but one of those first two, I think he could be there. The um, what's what's this correlation with going to live and then also not being able to control the driver? That's they they were having that issue before they went to live. This is I, I hope we don't have some kind of revisionist history where people forget that almost all of the players who went to live were seeing downturns in their career before they signed. So with Fitzy, he's he's a guy. He's a perfect example of a guy that you want Sung JM and Tom Kim to become, gain speed, and you know retain what made you a really good golfer before. And I guess like, how close is Fitzy to moving up into the upper echelon of golf? He's minor improvement with his irons away from moving up into that upper echelon of golf. I have said that I think at the end of this year, he will be in the top five of the official world golf rankings. Yet, I don't have him in my top five here. The reason for that is that major championships are going to be more demanding on your irons than a lot of other courses he's going to see throughout the year. So I like Matt Fitzpatrick on a PGA Tour schedule more than I like him at LACC. Still hasn't won a PGA Tour event. Give, he's, he hasn't been an absolutely elite golfer for very long. Give him a year. <laughs> um. 
Zalatoris, obviously, three runner-ups and nine starts in majors is, you know, I guess, like, he's one that I would look at in, in terms of jumping up to this. This is, I think this is the quintessential major player, though. Like, where you say you don't put much stock in major championships. I think, like, when a golf course is more difficult, he is a player that that becomes, you know, when it becomes more of a test compared to, like, TPC Craig Ranch, Zal Torres is going to fare better. To be clear, I put stock in major championship skill sets. It's, I just don't put as much stock in the numbers that are next to their Wikipedia page for results in major championships. I think Will Zalatoris is an excellent player. He will play well in majors. His back injury legitimately scares me. Like that, uh, I know he said he felt okay and he's, he's playing when he, we played at Kapalua and I think he's playing at American Express. Like clearly things are feeling better, but that is frightening to me that any swing he he could keel over and <laughs> be holding his back. That that really frightens me with Zalatoris. See, I I'd put him at this point, and it's really early. And your tears, and we we didn't even get through this exercise, which is you know the the fall of the host. But you had if not in contention, major failure. You had Rory and Rom. If not in contention, disappointed. Cam Smith, Scotty Scheffler, and JT. And I think like. I think I'd put Zal Torres in that, if not in contention, disappointed. And I point to the Open Championship at St. Andrews. It was like he wasn't in contention, and I found myself very disappointed that he wasn't in contention and, like, surprised. I hear you. I mean, look, I I could put everybody in, in that tier, and then nobody would feel bad. But I do think, when I view the professional <laughs> landscape, the I think Rory and John Rahm have are clearly above everyone else. They have ascended. And I think Cam Smith, Scotty Scheffler, and JT, especially given their iron play, are on that second tier. And those five guys belong ahead of everybody else. JT question. Two top fives in five years of major championships. One of them being a win. A backdoor win at Southern Hills. Is there something about majors that gives it like i mean perfect example of a guy that's always like he should play great at augusta but never does and i i've always been a little bit confounded by i was confounded until i think last year it was a big year for jt to get one but at the same time he wasn't really around the other ones you know i i feel obligated that i, I to say that i think there's a huge storyline that never gets talked about at augusta with jt and it is how much he has struggled with the drive on 13, which is a huge shot. He's gone in the creek left. He goes way out right. He tried he to hit that snapper. He can't hit the tee shot. He's given, It's his worst hole on the course by far, strokes gained. I think he's losing like a quarter of a stroke to the field on that hole. Well, that, huge that one year story. that he was – the one year he looked like he was going to win, on Saturday he made a triple there. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a really – it gives him fits. I think he finished like tied for eighth. Uh, in his past mm-hmm. masters so i'm telling you you're, you're talking about if he can figure this hole out like a two to three shot gap between you know losing strokes to the field versus picking up a couple birdies or an eagle like this is a huge story that doesn't really get talked about because justin thomas is very well equipped for augusta and this one hole gives him fits he's got to figure it out maybe hit three wood off the tee but now now we have a little bit of a different hole that it's been lengthened so that might work to his benefit if you don't have to hook it quite as much 
it's, it, you know, like people talk about how it, it, it's going to make it harder for guys, but that is, it is changing the dynamic. Like you are going to be able to hit it longer now without turning it over. Um, I still think you're going to have to turn it over a little, but it's funny. Cause like that, I mean, people, here's the thing. People fell in love with that snap hook that he hits, but the ball should have gone in the water at, at Sawgrass. The one on 18. It was a lucky bounce that he got that kept it out of the water. Like, that's not a good shot to hit. Uh, a snap hook with a driver is not something you want to be doing. In controlled snap. Play. I think it's controlled snap hook. How controlled people are like, that? oh, it's this what shot. It's like, that's a controlled snap hook. <laughs> I'm not sure how controlled it is. I think it's really hard to control a snap hook with a driver. Are we overrating Scheffler? I don't think we are overrating Scotty Scheffler. His iron play is unbelievable. I was too slow to see Scheffler coming, but I do believe he belongs in that top five. And if you wanted to take Morikawa versus Scheffler for this year's majors, I would take it. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think he had such a good year, but then I go back and, and like the one thing that worries me about putting him so high and I have him in my tier one. So the thing that I, was like he hasn't done it for very long but then you go back and it's like well like he almost won the first major he ever he played in as a pro you know and he played well he if you go back to his college career he was such a great player in big events like he didn't show up all the time but then when it was a big time event he was always there and it's it's uh He's another guy that, like, when you look at his game, like, what's his weakness? What would you say is, like, the one thing that he, he doesn't do well? It's like, I don't know. I think he does everything really, really well. His driver can get away from him a little bit at times. But uh, the one note I have in here about Scotty Scheffler is I genuinely believe he has the best mental game in golf. I think he has the best attitude, the best mental game in golf. I, I genuinely believe that. And I also think having Ted Scott on his bag has been a, a of significant benefit to him. So I'm very optimistic about what Scotty Scheffler's majors will look like this year. Would you, who would you say is closest to ascending? You you have a top bucket of Rory and Rom, and then your, your next, the next buckets, obviously Cam Smith, Scheffler and JT. Who's the closest to going up to tier one? JT. Interesting. I, I'm so, I think I might go, I might lean Scheffler. I think Justin Thomas, what he can do with his irons, nobody else can really do. Morikawa is the only name. Colin Morikawa is the only other player that can hit irons like Justin Thomas. And I think at LACC and at Augusta in particular, that's, that is an iron test. Hardcore. JT's also amazing at chipping. So is Scheffler. They're, they're close. But when JT's on, I, I don't think there's anybody that can really get quite that hot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and this is the thing with the with the year. What makes me so excited, and you know, kind of the why I wanted to put this together is like we've never seen these guys play twenty times in the same place or sixteen or whatever it ends up shaking out to be. And this is going to be the first time where we see that. And I think it's going to cr- paint like it's going to start to paint a much clearer picture. Um, you know. I guess like we have the one person we haven't talked about that probably we obligated uh, are obligated to talk about is Jordan Spieth. 
He's in your third tier. I thought you were going to say Tiger Woods. <laughs> no, no. I mean, come on. I, I don't. I love. I'm one of the biggest fans of Tiger Woods, but like we can, he cannot be seriously talked about at this point. Like he might win. I have said uh, this is my stance on Tiger. Nothing he does will ever surprise me again, ever. But that's all that needs to be said. I like I think he struggles to walk two days in a row. Um, and I think, you know, until we get to the point where he's physically able to really like walk 72 holes, it's, it's kind of a moot point to talk to him. But Jordan Speed, obviously everybody's darling. I, I see him. I hope he pulls off the Sony win and sets everybody into a Spieth Masters hysteria. But like, it's been a really interesting career because he's, you know, I think he's getting back to the guy he was, you know, when he was in 2014, but, or 2015, 2016, but he had, has like a dip. Like it's, it's been a very interesting career. And I think the last five years aren't really the same as the first three or four years. Yeah, I agree. He's always been odd in that he's like one of the best 15 to 25 foot putters like ever and then when he's hitting a three footer i never think it's going to go in so that there is a weird obviously everyone knows like watching jordan spieth is quite the experience but i am really high on jordan spieth hits it longer off the tee now he's got a little firepower played unbelievably through the early summer last year he's playing well again at sony like i'm i'm buying jordan spieth but again there's so many golfers. I think we had this youth explosion over the past couple of years. This year, I don't think there's any, kinda... There's not really a newcomer this year. It's just a bunch of guys who are 25 to 33 years old in the primes of their careers battling it out. So that's what I'm excited about. I think there about. will be a newcomer. Who? We just don't know who it is. Yeah, maybe. We'll Somebody's going to pop up. Somebody's going to get hot. But I think, that, yeah, I you know, the speed thing... The short putting, I honestly, I think there's scar tissue. You know, like you go, that's the thing with golf is like, it it could go a lot of ways, but like when you go as low as he went, there's something like he's come back from it, obviously really well. And I think there was a period in time where you were kind of like, whoa. And it was a testament, like he completely lost it, but he still was like a top 100 player. Like that, that's crazy. You know, when you don't know which way the ball is going off the tee and you're still a top 100, it shows how good you are at everything else. But the short putting, it's just weird, man. And then like, if he gets in the hunt, sometimes I like some of his like failed to close out tournaments have been alarming to me, you know, like I'll never forget the Sunday where he just got smoked by Jason Kokrak. And it's like, whoa. Like, this is not, you know, it's just, I think he's further away from that top five than, and I, and I think this is partly part of the, what you hit on the youth, youth explosion. Like he was almost like the first part, obviously Rory, I think would be like the, the start of the second youth way. Like Tiger had the, was the youth invasion, but Rory kind of started it but spieth was part was like the cog like he was like oh wow golf's changing because here comes this and now a lot of guys are are better than him 
I think he's really good, but I think that he's at like a very he's he doesn't have the full suite of skills that some of these other guys have. I'm with you. He's not nearly as good of a driver of the golf ball as any of the other names that we're talking about. He's gotten longer. He's he's fine, but he's not a Rom. He's not a Rory, right? Not a Cam Young. Doesn't Cam leave Young. a lot of doesn't leave a lot of margin for error. And if his irons aren't quite up to snuff, and there's the risk of missing a four and a half footer, like it gets a little scary. But I'm very high on Jordan Spieth. I think LACC and Augusta set up very well for him. Would not expect to see him in contention at Oak Hill and Liverpool, maybe. Who's the best driver of the golf ball? Young driver of the golf ball. Am I am I allowed to say Rom or Cam Young? Because it's one of the two. Are you saying somebody? I I think it's Cam Young, right? It's one of the two. I mean, they are very similar. I I wouldn't trying to choose between Rom and and Cam Young is is pretty tough. They're both they look very similar off the tee. I mean, Cam Young to me has like a gear. He's got like a. I mean, it's scary how far he hits it. Same with Rom. I feel like Rom hits a lot of that squeeze cut, though, just to keep it in play. I think Rom has that extra gear. I feel like Cam Young kind of goes at it all the time a little bit more. Maybe, Rom, I don't know. Rom's been training, too. I, those guys are neck and neck. I I wouldn't get a driving contest. That's close to a coin flip for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, predictions. You want to put your predictions out there if you had to, if you had to pick the four majors? Oh. I mean, the, the, I think the right answer, which is the lame answer, is like, if I'm not saying that I think Rory's the favorite at each of these, like, he, he is. So I, I would say a prediction is that Rory wins a major this year. I, I do think Rory wins a major this year. But I think if I was to start just picking, like, oh, and this guy at Oak Hill, and this guy at Augusta, and this guy at LACC, like, why are you picking them over Rory? Like, that doesn't... You're just trying to get cute at that point. So I, so I would be Rory. Rory. Rory for the sweep. No, see, That's I don't. I yeah, heard. obviously, I don't think he's going to win all four, but <laughs> I think Rory will win a major. And if you said you wanted to take a player right now against Rory at any major, I'd take the other side happily. Give me Rory and against somebody else head to head at all four. Interesting. I the only guy, I, yeah, I think I think there's a real argument that Rom's the best the best player too. I think that's the only other guy that you could defensively say, and I I'll take him against it because if you if you zoom out a little bit further, if you say two years, two and a half years instead of you know two years, Rom probably has a better profile, right? Yeah. Quickly, huge story on Rom that I wanted to bring up: his wedge play really bad last year. It wasn't really discussed. His wedge play was awful last year. I think that's a huge story to watch this year as Rory and Rom kind of duke out that number one spot. Rom's amazing with a long iron, not good with a wedge. Looked like he turned it around a little bit at Kapalua, but that's something to watch. So predictions, I'll say Rory. Do you think that could be a a part of like you talking about him speed training? Do you think that could be a uh, a back uh, like because he was a really good wedge player? I think he started speed training. I I don't want to say when he when he started speed training because I don't really know. I've just been seeing the videos from this off season, but his bad wedge play goes all the way back to the beginning of last year. So no, I don't know that those are necessarily related. Interesting. All right. Well, I'll hey, Cam Smith, always, I'll say Cam Smith at LACC. How about that? Cam Smith at LACC. I'm trying to think if you can miss it left there a lot, then it's it's a good spot for him. And I think you can a lot of places. Actually, you can. You can miss it left there a lot. 13, 14. Yeah. That's the same thing with the old course, right? You could just hit it one way all day. I mean, that 
God, he's that was he's he's about the most fun to watch. I think you know he's got he's got a little bit of the Jordan Spieth relatability that in his game where he he hits some squirrely shots. You know, it's not just like a a auto like you know Rom like there's no relatability with John Rom the way he plays with like a normal person, right? But Cam Smith has like a little bit of relatability because that driver can get squirrely and you can be like, oh, I, I could hit that shot, you know? And I've, um, yeah. I've always thought the most relatable then, player is, John, is James Hahn, but that's just me. Unless you're talking that? about their golf game. Oh. James Hahn. <laughs> Hopefully nobody takes away, the, takes away the Twitter password from him. That's it. Any, any predictions from you? I, I mean, I'm the host. I don't have to. I, I think I was really out on Cantlay last year, and I've worked my way back in on him. I think it is a statistical anomaly. And so I think he's going, I'll say Patrick Cantlay's going to win a major. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? You're coming all the way back to that after just talking about how he doesn't have it? I just, I've talked myself back into him this offseason. I, I, I felt, I, I, thought about the year and I thought, you know what? I think I was too hard on Patrick Cantlay. And I think that this, like, I believe that it's just, I do believe it's a statistical anomaly that he's not playing. He hasn't played well at majors. Um, I like Cam Smith at Augusta. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, I feel like he kind of like sneaky has the case of like, if anybody has the case of like, I should have won last year's Masters as Cam Smith. Like he had like some disastrous holes, and he still was. I mean, when he was on the twelfth tee, I, Scotty got really lucky with his chip shot on three. That was really lucky. If that ball doesn't hit the hit the cup, is he's probably making a bogey there, and the wheels are off. Like, and we've seen that that the wheels go off moment. And I felt like we were staring that right in the face when he chipped in. Also, think- like then we're on 12T and you're thinking Cam Smith might win this. Or like it and then he, he hit like a bad shot, you know, and he went for it and so to me, like I look at Cam Smith's major year last year, and it was like the Masters, you could easily create a path that he wins that. And then the PGA, he's one of the five to ten best putters in the world, and he finished last in putting that week. He was the first tee to green. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, like, you know, there's a world, an easy world, where things go a little bit differently, where Cam Smith wins two majors last year. Easy. And so with that in mind, I kind of think, like, he's been really close at Augusta uh, a few times. This is the year he gets it done. I think the way I tend to think about Augusta is like on each tee box, what happens if he hits it well? And what happens if it gets a little bit offline into the trees? And Cam Smith's kind of fine in either situation. He's one of the best from the fairway and he's one of the best at getting himself out of trouble from the trees. That's kind of a big part of Augusta. And that's why I'm, I'm really never worried about Cam Smith on any of the holes out there. But there are other guys where if they're hitting it a little bit crooked, they're not the scrambler that Cam Smith is. So he, he's almost can't have a terrible day out there. 
Well, it's the same thing with Spieth, right? Why does right. Spieth play so well at Augusta? Right. It's like, oh, like if he gets squirrely, it's not a big deal, right. you know, because he's like, it's so hard. If Spieth or Cam Smith can hit the ball, can get out of the trees and hit it just short of the green, you know, out there, they're going to get up and down almost every time because it's short grass. Like those guys, like, I think that's the beauty of short grass, right? Is like the very best guys from short grass. And, and you'll probably disagree with me here. But the very best guys from short grass, like they're hard shots, but those guys are so good. They're going to get up and down the major- vast majority of the time. And then you get guys like Lee Westwood who are putting and it's like, then it becomes like a more of a, a 50-50 proposition, right? I think it that's the thing with Augusta is that making par from the trees for somebody that's really good at scrambling is not very hard. But for and, and it's the underrated skill out there, right? is the ability to just string together pars and avoid because you can make so many birdies out there, but bogeys are, are waiting. And those scramblers, like the bogeys just aren't as, is is readily available if you're really good around the greens. Yeah, I agree. And when I think about Cam Smith at Augusta, my mind goes back to shots like out of the trees on the left on hole nine that he jammed to like three feet. And it's like, there's just yeah. other guys can't do that. They really can't. So, uh, Cam Smith, yeah, if he's wearing a green jacket in a few months, I don't think we're going to be surprised. It'd be quite the noisy uh, major. Oh, that'd be a disaster, disaster for the PTA Tour if Cam Smith is the is the is holding the green jacket and the claret jug at the same time, and you know the players' champion that didn't get to defend. You know, well, talent is talent. It's it's crazy. It should be a really fun year. I uh, I'm 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 excited for more of these uh, designated events too. That's the one of the things I'm didn't know that I was going to be this excited about. Yep, a lot of reasons to be excited as a golf fan. So should be an interesting major season. All right, we'll talk again soon. Um, we'll see you see you next week actually. But uh, thanks for coming on, Joseph. People can find you on Twitter. Uh, they can also read your writing at Finding the Edge. Uh, dot er, on Substack, finding that on Substack, and that's free to subscribe. You you put up a put out a newsletter every once in a while with lots of good stuff. And uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Friday Podcast. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Matt Ruches. Thank you, Matt. He's also been doing some great work on the Friday Instagram channel. If you aren't checking that out, be sure to check that out. We've had a lot more videos put up recently, and uh, and Matt's been Matt's been at the helm a lot of those. So, uh, as a quick reminder, we've got Club TFE cooking. Uh, we are posting about five articles a week up there. We will have our first virtual hangout, kind of like a live podcast. Uh, they'll be Q&A based. That will be next week. Uh, I'm on the road this week, but next week we'll be doing that. And uh, our events, our first events are up for up and open uh, to Club TFE members. The, you know, everybody will get access to those uh, starting next week. But if you want early access... Club TFE is an awesome uh, thing to get. So for $120 a year, 
we are delivering a ton of articles and uh and then you get added perks like early event access 10 percent off the pro shop you know monthly video and other things so club tfe i'm really really happy with uh the early feedback we've been getting and uh the you know what we've been putting out there i think we're we're, as a team really proud of it so if you're on the fence i uh i recommend jumping in and uh joining the community so if you want to sign up go to thefriedegg.com slash membership and uh you can just sign up there thanks for listening to another episode of the fried egg we will be back later this week uh assuming nothing goes wrong it'll be an architecture based podcast um so thank you and hopefully i will have a working mic by then.